You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Morning, Paradox. How are you? All right, we got any Friends fans in the building? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's hear it for the band. That was awesome. Fantastic rendition. Better than those Rembrandt guys, anyway. Hey, um, so Friends, man, this show, I don't know about you, but this show was just a cultural phenomenon uh, from 1994 to 2004, like 10 years. It was must-see TV. It was literally on must-see TV on Thursday nights. And that was right about the time when I was in my t- early 20s. And, and me and my friends, I mean, that's what we watched. That's what we did as we went home. Thank you, sir. And, uh, and watched Friends. Um, oh, thank you. You're there for me. I'll be there for you, too. Um, and that show was, it had clever writing. It had amazing characters. Um, now that I'm going back and watch, it's on like Netflix or something again. I've actually gone back and started watching them a little bit. And I don't realize, I didn't realize till now how incredibly corrupt morally some of these characters were and how horrible they actually were to each other sometimes. But, uh, but, but the overarching theme of that show was, was relationship and that these, these six friends always had each other's backs and were there for each other. And one of the other things that the show highlighted was, was the difficulty of relationships and especially dating. They always had a lot of trouble with dating. The good news is for those of you who are single is that it's a lot easier dating now than like 25 years ago when that show was on. I mean, we've got the internet, right? It's so much. In fact, you know what? I think we want to make a love connection today. I think we're in the met. Um, Abigail, are you still here? Cool. Everyone, welcome Abigail over. Abby. All right. I, I'm feeling. I'm feeling like making a love connection. How you doing? Good. 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 So, so you are single, right? I'm single. We're not going to get you in trouble with anyone right now. I don't think so. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> so here's what we decided to do. Um, the creative team scoured the internet to find the best of the best for you. So prime choice. That's the best place to I find. I feel like they don't trust us. Um, some prime choices for you. So we're going to go ahead and just check out the screen. And we found some, some perfect candidates here. Here we go. All right. Username. Now, why don't I just read them? This is, his username is not a murderer. Good start. Okay. Fun-loving self-starter. Absolutely no interest in committing murder. Looking okay. for love. Or just one special evening. Rest assured you'll be, end up safe and sound at home. Let me take you into my magical world of not murdering anyone ever. Uh. What do you think? Uh, how, about, how about the next one? Let's see. Not, yeah. not, not picking uh, up on that? I don't feel All right, like let's it. go. Oh. All right. Oh, we got, uh, we got Fragile Actor. All right. All right. He's vulnerable. Okay. That's good. Wow. Uh, he's seeking an admirable woman with grubby moles for golf, stargazing, maybe. and maybe I've more. Got some grubby moles, but. Oh, all right. All right. All right. Uh, the first thing people notice about him is that his personality are closely followed by his smashing fingernails. All right. Is that an attractive? Uh, Okay. No, no. So if you like great fingernails and elbows with ample amounts of baby oil, he's the man for you. I, baby oil is kind of where I draw the line. So that's, that's next, just, just for babies. Next, next. All right, let's see. We got one more. We got one more. This is Dave K. Interesting. Um, says, I'm single and I have three Tomagachis. I don't even know what that is. I love Tomagachis. Okay, good. I don't even know what that is. I mean, Looking for someone to bring to family events so they'll stop uh, thinking something's wrong with me. And he's, oh, not picky. Uh, I'm a bacon enthusiast and a party starter. I am also a bacon enthusiast. Do we have, do we have a match? Uh, 
You know, I, d I just don't feel like this uh, this online thing is gonna work for me, Dave. Uh, I mean, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe you're, think you're thinking it subconsciously oh. thinking about it. All right. Well, anyway, we'll keep looking. We'll, thanks for being a good sport. Everyone, let's right. give her a hand. Thank I guess you. Guess I'll just stay single for now. For now, don't <laughs> worry. I'm sure love will come. All right. You know what we can we could do to help her out though? Maybe, maybe there's someone here today, or maybe we're streaming live on Facebook. Maybe there's someone on Facebook. I'm gonna go ahead and give you Abby's phone number. It's five eight. No? Five, eight, six. No, just kidding. I don't, I don't know it. <laughs> All right. No good transition here, so we are going to do our morning's offering. Uh, if you're new here to Paradox, if you're visiting with us today, please hear this before you... Don't grab the buckets yet. Hear this, please. We here at Paradox believe that our God is so good. He's a giver. He's given us as a church everything we need, including a great... Uh, congregation who is very generous along the way. If you're visiting with us today, we are not here for your money. We do not even want your money today. So as we grab the buckets now on the right and pass them to your left, let it pass right by. Don't even give it a second thought. If you call Paradox Church your home, this is a moment for you to give back to, with your finances as you normally do. And if you're looking for a way to, to maybe you hear today and you're like, oh, I forgot. I was going to write a check. I was going to... If you want to do what most of us do and give online, you can do that on our Paradox Church website. There's a spot where you can click to Simple Give, and you can set up a regular donation for your tithe so that this part of Sunday morning you can just focus in on the great music and time. So there's, that's what we're doing this morning. All right. We are in a series called Put Your Mask On First, and we're calling this A Selfless Guide to Self-Care. And, and, and really, this is just what it says it is. Now, in life, we, we feel like we always have to do more, and we have to do everything, we have to handle everything ourselves, and what we're trying to unpack as a church these last couple weeks is that not only do we not have to do it all ourselves, we weren't made to do it all ourselves. We weren't designed to have to go through life at a crazy pace and do everything ourselves. So week one, we talked about life-giving connection, and we said that everything in our life starts with the one who started it all, and that's God. And we said if we would take some time every day to start our day with him, either maybe it's in the morning or at some point in our day, connect with God on a regular basis, and then connect with him throughout the day. And we, we instituted our 30 by 30 challenge. It's not too late to do that. If you stop at the, the hub downstairs, we have some of the cards. It's just a way for you to get into the word, get time with God in prayer, a little time with worship every, every day for 30 minutes. So the 30 by 30 challenge. And then week two, we looked at life-giving um, relaxation. We got life-giving um, rhythms. That was the word. Life-giving rhythms. And we talked about how we run at a breakneck pace sometimes, and sometimes we just have to stop. And we have to relax. In fact, that's how God designed it. God designed it to give us the time to relax. He modeled that in creation when he himself took a day of rest. And we talked about how vital that is. And then last week, Dave walked us through life-giving limits. And we said that life is better when we know the boundaries and we stay the boundaries. Because no one wants to go out off a cliff, right? So if we know there's a guardrail there, we're like, oh, there's the cliff. That's danger. This is life. And we live life best when we know the boundaries and live inside them. If you haven't guessed, today we're going to talk about life-giving relationships and the fact that we were not made to do this alone. Before we go any farther, let's, um, let's invite God in, the author of all relationships. Jesus, you are awesome. I thank you personally for the relationship I've had with you for many years and the way that you've um, led me, uh, the way that you've just loved me, 
the way that you've given me peace when I needed it, uh, the way that you've strengthened me, uh, made me bold when I need to be. God, I pray that you would continue that relationship and continue it with each and every one of us. And God, maybe for those of you, those of us here this morning who, who don't have that relationship with you yet, maybe today would be the start of that. And God, for you didn't just make us to be in relationship with you, God. You made us to be in relationship with one another. And I thank you for that. And I ask that this morning as we open your word and we read what you have to say about that, that you would make it clear to us how we should be in relationship with each other. Um, we weren't made to do this alone. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Grab my Bible. Let's get to this. All right. So we are going to talk about life-giving relationships. And throughout this uh, course of the series, we have been referring to just one text, and that's, we've gone back to the very beginning, to Genesis, and kind of walked through, and we saw how when God created the world and he set everything up, he, he set us up to, to live life to the full. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, when he was talking about being the good shepherd, he said that he came, Jesus came here to give life, and that we might have life to the full. This world is kind of, is kind of messed up, right? We know that. This world isn't perfect. But the good thing is, is we don't have to just hope for someday to be with God, to be with God in heaven someday. We can, we can have life full in a messed up world right now. And God has taught us how to do that through his word. And that's the hope that we have. And he started out back in the beginning. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. If you do not have a Bible, we have them for you. We can get a paper Bible. They're outside uh, right either of these doors, you can get a Bible. We've also started something new that's really awesome. Uh, if you haven't heard about this app for your phones, you can go ahead and pull out your phones right now. It's cool. You won't get in trouble. It's called YouVersion, Y-O-U version. And this is a really neat app. It's, your, it's a Bible on your phone, but it's so much more. They have reading plans. They have all sorts of stuff for you to use. We've gone ahead and we're using that as a church on Sunday morning. So if you click on that and you click in the lower right, you can, you can navigate to something called Events and you can find Paradox Church. When you do that, all the scripture that I'm going to reference, all the announcements like the stuff Greg and Hillary talked about at the beginning will be on that. So it's a great resource. Every Sunday morning when you come in, pop open your version, and you can follow along um, if you would like. So let's do it. We are in Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 18. To this point, God has created the world, the heavens and earth, the light, the water, and everything is good. Now, chapter eight, uh, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Okay, so, so far everything was good, and right away God says, uh-oh, there's one thing right now that's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them before the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and the wild animals, but... For Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he had taken out of the man and he brought it to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. 
God saw that the man was alone and it was not good. He, brought, he created animals, right? Maybe just the company of some animals would be good, but no. God realized that we were created to be in relationship with other human beings. And so he created Eve strictly uh, from, from Adam to be that. And, and the word is interesting here. He uses helper, right? To be a, to be a helper. Now, here's the reality. And this, and this is kind of the point of this series. There's a lot of us who feel like we don't need help. Like, we got this. I've got, I've got this life. Like, all, all the stuff, my to-do list, all the things I have to do, I've got this. Emotionally, like when stuff gets heavy or what, I, I can handle this. We feel like we can do it all of ourselves. But God, in the very beginning, realized that, no, you can't. You're not, it's, how you're, it's not how you're designed. And he created a helper. We all need help. We need help in so many different ways. I mean, some of them are super obvious, right? Who here can lift a uh, sleeper sofa by themselves? Anybody? You're lying if you're raising your hand. It's impossible, right? right? We, you, just simple things like that where we, we just need help. Or, or, um, who here knows how to change your brakes on their car? Right? Some of you. Okay, take a close look because if you need your brakes changed, <laughs> right here, there's your guy. Okay? We all need help with certain things in our life, just, just, just physically things that we, that we can't do. In fact, there's study after study after study. This is interesting show that people are healthier and actually live longer the more connections, when they, well, I shouldn't say the more because there's a limit. When, there's, when they have close connections in their life, studies have shown they're actually less susceptible to life-threatening diseases. People actually can statistically live longer physically when there's relations. So there's definitely a, a physical component to us needing a helper. And, and, and on that subject, I just, I just want to take a, a step aside for a minute. We, we talked to the single people earlier with our little um, fun sp- skit there at the beginning, but, but there's, there's, I just want to talk to another physical need uh, that, that our society tells us to do. I, I, thinking back to the show Friends, it was a very prevalent theme to the show Friends, and that's for, for many of us, for many people, thinking of that, this need of, of intimacy, physical intimacy. And, and I want to point back, and I want to show what, what God did and how he designed that, right? God, God brought Eve to be a helper for Adam and to be there to, to help him with, with everything physical, right? Including intimacy. But listen to what it said right after. It says, a man will leave his wife and the two will become one flesh. God instituted right away the fact that marriage is the place where physical intimacy can flourish and is beautiful. And so, and so for our society, I just want to point out, for part of our society, I, I, even, I even maybe take a little bit of exception to the phrase, like, like I have needs. And so, some will say, I have some sexual needs, right? Um, the reality is, is that that's not true. I want to read to you what uh, the Apostle Paul said. So fast-forwarding in your Bibles nearer the end in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul addressed this specific question. So there are people in the church reaching out to him and saying, okay, we, we've accepted Jesus. We understand that there's a better way. We want to live life-giving life with, inside the limits. Paul, what are those limits as it refers to um, intimacy? And Paul says this. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields to the husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body but yields to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you 
because of your lack of self-control. So what Paul is laying out, and he, and he goes on to say later, that, that for him and for other people, that's not a desire, that's not a drive that he has. So Paul never married. But what he's pointing out is that if, that's, if that is something, a physical intimacy is something that you're seeking out and you want to be part of your life, you seek out a marriage relationship. That's a, that's, that's a key, important physical need that God has designed. He's built a way for that, that desire to be made, along with all of our other physical desires. But it's not just physical, right? We have, we have more than just physical needs, right? We have emotional needs, too. Imagine, think back for a time, the last time when something really heavy, really heavy happened to you. Maybe, maybe someone passed away. Um, you lost your job. Um, someone got sick. Think about that time and, and, and think about how, harder, how much harder it would have been had there not been somebody there that you could go. Who, think who you turned to at that time, who you went to and who was able to guide you and hold your hand and lead you through that. Maybe for some of you there wasn't that person at that time. And maybe, maybe that was maybe that was an ex- extremely hard experience to go through. We weren't made to do that alone, right? We were made to be there and come alongside each other in times of emotional stress to hold your hand. Again, going back to studies, they show that people emotionally recover 50% faster. It seems like 50% is the statistic that goes along with this, which is very interesting. Everything I was researching talked about 50% this and 50-50. It was very interesting. Uh, people, people tend to, to recover 50% faster when there's somebody there through the trauma, even just holding their hand. So uh, that emotional need, that's and mental need, right? Like, I, the whole brainstorming thing. St- other studies have showed how, how, how ideas and creativity flow better through a group. I've been really fortunate to be involved with some of the creative planning here, and, and we just had a meeting. The creative team had a meeting around Christmas. And it was so cool to be in a room, and we, we had this idea that someone had, and it, we kind of all saw that there was something there to it. Like, that could be cool, but it's missing something. And in the course of maybe 10 or 15 minutes, just bouncing ideas around the room, we ended up with something really cool that I think you guys are going to really enjoy come Christmas time. And it's just that, just, just that thing that comes together when people come, you know, come together and are able to bounce ideas and be together. What about laughter? Who, who likes to laugh, <laughs> right? Laughter is it, you know, said is the best medicine. And again, studies show that it does. It does. Laughter is awesome. How often do you laugh by yourself? Maybe sometimes you're watching something and you can chuckle. But to get that real laughter, that happens in community. That happens when you're just with people. Something funny happens, and it's infectious. They laugh, and you laugh. We need that together, that, that mental, um, physical, emotional connection together. And that's, that's what is given to us when we allow other people into our lives, when we seek out other people. And here's, here's the other part that, that maybe isn't as obvious. Of an, this is another reason why we, we really need physical connection. We, we need helpers in our life. And it's not as obvious as the other ones, because the other ones are about, more about kind of what we can, we can, we can get. And this one is growth. This one is growth. We actually need difficult people in our lives if we want to grow. And think about some of the more difficult relationships in your life, people who, who challenge you <laughs> mentally or emotionally, like, like, like maybe even you have a hard time around that person. Realize and understand that your perseverance with that person is leading to growth, and that growth is developing your character. And that would not happen if you were around only people who, who were very easy to get along with. So we've established we need helpers. We need people to physically, emotionally, mentally, and help us grow to help us along in life. And God has designed that to be there. 
But again, sometimes, sometimes we can be pre-resistant. I, I know personally, I'm, I tend to be a I can do it myself type of person. And again, processing things emotionally, I tend to, I tend to not do that. I'm getting better. And I would challenge the rest of us to seek out, to seek out relationship, to seek out people that we can do that with. But what does it, what does it look like? So, so, so we've established that it's good to have relationships. We all need helpers along in life. But what does life-giving relationship actually look like? Well, I've, I've identified, I'm sure there's lots of different ways we could slice this, but I've, I've kind of narrowed in on four things, four things that I think are kind of characteristics of a life-giving relationship. And the first one is trust. And the trust says, I believe in you. Now, this is interesting because you really have to unpack this a little bit and think about this. Usually when people say, what's important in a relationship, and they say trust, you've got to be careful. Sometimes what we actually mean is trustworthiness. There's a difference. If you look at the definition of trust, trust is firm belief, firm belief in the ability or reliability of someone else. So trust is not proof in the ability or reliability of someone else. That's trustworthy. If someone is trustworthy, they've done things to, to prove that you can trust them. But real trust starts, starts with belief and doesn't demand proof right out of the gate. I want to do a little experiment for this. I'm going to need a volunteer up here. Um, I need someone who doesn't know me very well. If you're a person who's, oh, thank you, who's willing to come up here and you don't know me, like we either haven't met or we don't, I know, it's like, why would you come up? Okay, come on up. Good, great, perfect. Thank you. Come on up. Give her a hand. It's going to be easy, super easy. Hi, I'm Mike. What's your name? Anna. Anna. Perfect. Anna, this is the easiest thing you'll ever do in your life. It may also be the hardest. Okay, all you need to do is stand here, and I want you to look, look out. Actually, you know what? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Okay? We're talking about trust. It's all good. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. All you, there's a chair right here behind you, right? When I say sit, all I need you to do is sit. It's that easy. Got it? Okay, just hold on. Just give me one second first. Just stay right there. Okay, all right, Anna. Now, I just need, just need you to sit. No, just don't worry. Just, I just need you to sit. Just sit right down on the chair. Just, no, it's okay. Keep your eyes closed. Just bend your knees. It's so easy. You've, you've probably sat like thousands of times in your life. Just sit. Go ahead. You got this. You got this. You get, no, don't put your hand. Just sit. Just go. One, two, three, go. Oh, no! Thank you. Give her a good hand. Anna, Anna did what most of us probably would have done, right? It's not easy to trust people, especially when we don't know them. But real trust believes first. It doesn't require proof later. Now, to be in a relationship, that doesn't mean, I mean, you've all been there, right? You've been in relationships with people where you get to a point where you realize you can't trust them. They've, they've proven over time that they're not trustworthy, you still might try to wait for them to come back. But real trust doesn't, doesn't require belief out of the gate. In fact, this is one of our isms. Uh, Greg and Hillary mentioned the isms class that's going to be here after church. One of our isms, actually one of our cultural statements here at Paradox, is we believe the best in each other. We start by believing the best in each other. Studies, and you'll come, come to isms, you'll learn a little bit more about this, but the basic gist of it is that studies showed, and we've seen time and time again, 
When you believe first in a person that they can do it, that they will be this, that they will this, time and time again, people rise to that standard. People become what you believe they can be. And we are going to be a church that wants to do that. God has built us for relationships, and a life-giving relationship does that. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's a friend, to believe first that they can do it, that they will come through. They've got what it takes. Let them know, I believe you've got what it takes. You've got this. What a difference, right? Then have someone sit back and just wait for, the, wait for you to fail. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We use that phrase a lot. Well, we'll see. No. Yeah, of course we'll see. We're going to see, but you can affect a positive change by saying, I believe in you. I believe you can do this. So trust. Trust is definitely one of the first components of a life-giving relationship. The second is authenticity. Authenticity. Authenticity says, my cards are on the table. How about you growing up? When I grew up, my, our family played a lot of games, and I would frequently have to learn a new card game. My grandma and grandpa liked to play cards. You'd go to their house. And when you first learn a card game, right, you play with the cards on the table. You, you deal them out, and you lay out so that the person teaching you can show you the cards. Eventually, you, you scoop up the cards, and you don't play that way. When you're playing a game, like poker or whatever, like, it's a really bad idea to have your cards on the table, right? Or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever contest. If you're in a contest with someone else, it's a bad idea to put your cards on the table. When you're doing life with people, it's a really, really, really good idea to have your cards on the table. When your cards are, and what I mean by that is that you're being authentic, you're being real and vulnerable, exposing to that person things like, hey, I'm, I'm nervous right now. Hey, um... When, when, when you said that thing to me, that made me feel this certain way. Hey, um, I need help right now. When we're vulnerable, when we put our cards on the table and other people can see what they're dealing with, it's so much easier for us to have real life-changing relationship. And it also affirms people. I mean, how good does it feel when, when someone opens up to you and allows you in, into their lives and, and is a little bit real with you? It just... It just it honors people in a way that nothing else can, to just keep, give them a crack behind the curtain and show them what's really going on with you, the good and the bad, right? I, 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 my examples were all bad, but the real positive thing, like, hey, I'm so excited about what's going on here, instead of just keeping that to yourself. It honors people when we're able to do that and to bring them into that conversation and show them what's really going on behind the curtain. And, here's, and, and it's, it's infectious, too. I don't know how many times I've been in a in small group. Um, and if you, don't, if you don't know what small groups are, small groups, most churches like Paradox, our size, we, we, we believe heavily in small groups. And that's a group of people who get together uh, once a week or so, maybe once every other week, depending on what's going on. And they just meet at someone's house or here at the church, and just do life together. Maybe there's a study that they're going through. Maybe they, they're studying the Bible a little bit together. But also they're doing life together, discipling each other, leading each other, helping lead each other closer to Jesus. And I don't know how many times I've been in a group like that, leading it or otherwise, and seeing that when someone is real, when someone is authentic, it's infectious. I remember one time we were, we were in a group, and, and, and it was near the beginning, maybe it was the first or second group of our, of our semester, our term together. And the subject came up about something about the Bible, and I mentioned something about looking at the Bible. And one person in our group, I, I wish I could remember, I can't remember even now who it was, said, just honestly, they said, I don't know where that is in the Bible. In fact, I don't really know where anything is in the Bible. I've never really read the Bible. 
sweet. And I was like, oh, no, that's okay. What happened next was awesome. Like, another person was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> another person was like, um, yeah, I used to read it, and I haven't opened my Bible in 10 years. And it was just like the whole room opened up, and people were just honest. And it was like, wow. And actually, I was able to be honest and be like, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm not in this. I haven't been in this every day. And, and I need to admit that to you guys. And we, and, and we totally shifted gears from where our small group was going to go and talk about and we, we committed to reading the Bible again. And that was our small group, was reading, going through and reading parts of the Bible together. And it was all because someone was vulnerable and real and opened up. And that's how it happens in relationships. And it's, it's, a, it's just a beautiful thing. And, and we were designed to be that way by God, who himself is extremely authentic and open with us. In fact, if you, the, whole, the, whole, the whole point that Jesus came was God being real and authentic and showing himself to us. I want to read for you in the book of Colossians. Here we go. Colossians chapter 1, verse, starting verse 15 and 16, and then we're going to hop down to 19. But here is what Paul writes about Jesus in verse 15. He says, the Son, he's talking about Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And this is the cool part. Hop down to verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. So what did God do? And this was, this, going back to the garden, this was God's plan from the very beginning. We're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks about about the fall and what happened, and God's plan for reconciling was to basically bring himself to us, to be authentic, to open himself up to us. Jesus, the, 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 the very representation of God, God himself, fully showing. And, and while he was here on earth, in the time he was here with us, Jesus didn't walk around and, and, and keep it close to the vest. We see time and time again his emotion come through. We see, we see him get angry, right? Right? We, we, see, we, see him, we see him with emo- overjoyed with emotion. We saw his deep sorrow before he went to the cross when he called his disciples to him and asked them to come out. And he said, he said I'm, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's a guy who's being vulnerable with his friends. That's a God who's vulnerable with us, authentic with us. And if we want life-giving relationship, we need to... We need to First, show that authenticity, and we need to be ready to welcome and receive authenticity from others. And if people become vulnerable and they share with you, not to shut them down. But yeah, bring it. Let's, let's process. Let's look at this together. All right. Life-giving relationships. Um, are, we have, need trust and authenticity. Here's the third one. Mutual benefit. Mutual benefit. Mutual benefit says, I got your back. All right. Has anyone ever been in a relationship that was completely one-sided? I think, yeah, <laughs> we've probably all had those relate, not, not necessarily like boyfriend, girl, like, like just some relationship, be it in the office, the family, whatever, neighbor, where it's a one-sided relationship. Maybe it is a neighbor who's always borrowing from you and asking from you and never giving anything, right? Like one-sided relationships are no fun. They're kind of like a ladder. Do I have my ladder? They're kind of like a ladder that only has one side, right? If you've got a ladder and you want to you climb up and change a light bulb and you have... 
A ladder that's only one side? Perfect. I'll take it right here. Yep, thank you. So I got my ladder, and I need to change the light bulb, right? Is this going to work? Uh, I actually saw a video. I saw a video. Go look it up on YouTube. This guy had an extension ladder. It was like 20 steps high. He climbed it and climbed down the other side. I don't think there was any tricks involved, but it was pretty amazing. Obviously, I can't climb. This is not safe to climb it on the other side. In life, if we try, if we're always in one side of relationships and we don't have another person to come alongside of us, there's no mutual benefit, it's not very stable, right? Healthy, life-giving relationship looks like this. Looks like two people relying on each other, mutual benefit, right? So that now it's stable. Now it's useful to both sides. And that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that it has to be equal. I mean, you can see the one side of this ladder is a little thinner than the other. Maybe in certain ways, a healthy relationship, one person is, is more emotionally stable than the other and can be there for the person more often. Whereas maybe the other person is, is, is a great provider and is able to help that person provide with things they, that they need, right? But healthy relationship, there is mutual, mutual benefit and not, not just one-sided benefit. I want to read to you another thing that Paul wrote uh, in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Paul, talking about how we do life together, how we can benefit each other mutually, and he wrote it this way. He said, this is uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as, as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death to the cross. Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to be in relationship with, another, with one another, right? And have this mutual benefit. So mutual benefit works best when I'm looking at you and I'm, and I'm asking myself, how can I, what, what are ways that I can help? And, and, and this is the key, because we, this whole series is about allowing ourselves to be helped. And the whole key is that to then allowing ourselves the same grace back. When there's a person who sees a need that we have and fills it. I just, just last week, um, April and I were extremely busy. I don't know if some of you made it to the Piscetti dinner we had here. We had this big dinner. It was awesome. It was a really good time. And the week before, we were just running around with our brains out of our head. It was crazy. And we get a text from, from my sister who just said to me, just out of the blue, we didn't ask her. She said, hey, I, I know Charity, our daughter's birthday party was that Sunday. She said, Charity's birthday Sunday. I know you guys are probably too crazy to plan anything. Can I, can I have people over? Can I basically throw her a birthday party? Now, April and I could have said, no, 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 we got it. Never mind. We'll figure it out ourselves. No, that was awesome. We needed that in our lives at that time. We had to be able to accept that. And, and that only happened because she was thinking of us. She was looking to the needs in that relationship. So for a relationship to be life-giving, to be mutually beneficial, we need to look to the, to the needs of the other person and anticipate and help them. And, that, and that's... That's what life-giving relationship looks like from that standpoint. And again, the key is allowing others to help. So life-giving relationships built on trust, built on authenticity, built on mutual, um, 
mutually helping each other out. And the last one is, what, any guesses? Any guesses what the last one is? I'll just tell you. The last one is engagement. Engagement. So it's great to have trust with the person where you're believing in them and they're being trustworthy. It's great to have authenticity where you're being vulnerable and you're sharing. It's great to be able to help each other out mutually. But if you're not actually there, <laughs> it's all for nothing. I know this one seems kind of silly, but engagement is really a big thing, right? Relationships that, 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 don't, that don't come together, aren't, aren't there for each other, aren't really going to make much, much sense at all. You've heard the phrase spending time with one another, right? And, and it's funny, in preparing for this message, it's the first time that this actually dawned on me, the light switch came on. We've got this phrase, spending time. What's the, the first word? S spending. When you spend, it costs you something, right? When you spend money, it costs us something. When we spend time with somebody, it's costing us that time that we spend with it, time that we could have spent in another way. When people spend time with us, it's costing them something, right? And that's, and that's the power of engaging with each other. When, when you go to a person and just spend time, whether it's, whether it's helping them with something, whether it's, whether it's being vulnerable with them, whether it's helping them process them, when you spend that time with somebody, that is, that is the best way. That time is the one commodity that is, is, is it's like it's the bank account that's ever going down for all of us. And when you're able to slide that slice of time to someone else and say, you're valuable, like, I'm here for you. There's no greater gift that you can give somebody. There's no greater sign that that relationship is life-giving and valuable to you. And when people do the same, to be able to accept that, to be able to give them that chance to come into your life and spend that time with you, that's a gift to them. Engagement is so important to spend time with each other. Um, to, and, and then there's this other phrase that, that drives me nuts too. You ever hear the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder? Yeah, I think that's crap. <laughs> I don't think, I don't, can I say crap? I, I, I don't think that's real. I think people use that phrase in one or two ways. I think people use that phrase like when the other person has to go and they're like trying to make themselves with the person, well, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And really you're like, this stinks. You're leaving. This is really bad. Or it's a person you kind of want to go. You're like, oh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> Too bad. I'll be fond for you. Right? But that phrase, that, that phrase is not true to the reality of how authentic life-giving relationships Authentic life-giving relationships need time together, need engagement with one another in order to be successful and to, and to be valuable and to be life-giving. All right, so we've got, we've got four different things that we've covered. These are characteristics, things that are important to a successful life-giving relationship. We have, let's put them up on the screen. We've got trust. We've got authenticity, we've got mutual benefit, and we've got engagement. All right, listen, now let's talk about these in context of actual, let's get some nuts and bolts. Let's talk about real, actual relationships with these. Um, this is going to be hard to talk about. Let's, can we make this acronym TAME? Can you, John, can you rearrange this a little bit? Maybe there's a better, there, meet? <laughs> I don't know about meet. Let me try again. We got another? Team, let's do team. All right, team. This will be easier to talk about. All right, all right, so team. So in these aspects of relationship, we've got trust, engagement, authenticity, mutual. Think of it, think of it kind of like as we go forward, just kind of think of it in terms of a, a score, right? So let's, let's talk, because when we talk about relationships, let's be honest, there's, there's some relationships in our life that, that are closer and some that are further away, right? Let's, let's, start, let's start with the core and then let's work our way out. All right, let's go back to our ladder. I believe 
that every that in our lives we need we need a relationship like this a relationship where there's somebody in our life who's who's got our back who we can trust who's proven themselves trustworthy who we are engaged to in relationship and if you were to put a score on it on our on a team score like this is this is like a 9 right out of 10 right this is someone we can we we trust we know is vulnerable with us okay for most of us, and for most people probably, this, this should be the marriage relationship. This is the person that, that, you've, that you're doing life with, that you've committed to, right? Leave your father and mother. Um, what did, let's go back to what Adam said. Do you remember what he said when God brought Eve to him? He said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, and she, she was taken on a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, and he's united to his wife, and they became one flesh. They were both naked and they were not ashamed. One flesh. This ladder, I can, if I take apart any part of this, it's going to fall to pieces. It's, it's, it's one ladder now. It's been put together. It's riveted. These aren't even bolts I can take apart. It's riveted together. I can't take this apart. This, this has gone from two parts to a ladder. A useful, healthy ladder. And again, for most, for most people, this, this thankfully happens in a marriage. And, and let, me, let me say, if, if you're not in a marriage relationship right now, that doesn't, that doesn't exclude you from needing somebody else. Maybe, one, maybe it's two people, but at least one other person who can be that core, that can be that stabilizing force for you. That person that you can go to and, that, and when you need to be vulnerable, when you just need someone there to meet your emotional needs, right? Your mental needs. That other person. If it, if it is your spouse, right? This ladder becomes the basis that everything else is built on in other relationships. This is, this is the frame of reference that you do life with. And now I want to I say that I know that for some of you, this ladder doesn't feel very stable right now. Those of you who are in marriages, um, Greg and Hillary mentioned that we've got this marriage series coming up here at Paradox. And, and, and I'll be honest, I'll, I'll just reveal for you honestly, like part of this is in response to just seeing so many ways in which our marriages and life in our communities and even here at Paradox are struggling. And for some of us, it's, it's, it's gotten to a point where we're like, we want to we wanna help. We want to help each other. We want to help ourselves to, to understand how to, how to strengthen this ladder. How to, or, or maybe for some of you, even rebuild this ladder from scratch. So I, again, I highly encourage you, Greg and Hillary mentioned it, but I highly encourage you, um, if, if you're in a marriage, to grab your couple, come to this. It's a, two, it's a Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, it's going to be great, and it's going to be a start. And they, that's December 6th and 7th. Maybe, maybe your marriage needs some more help right now. If you, if, you, if you want, come see me after service. We've got resources. We've got counseling, uh, people that we can recommend to help you out. Um, because the reality is, and we, we're going to talk further about some other relationships, the reality is for those of us uh, in marriage, if this isn't stable, if, if something's broken on, on this, it's extremely difficult to do any other um, life with anyone else. So there's that. But let's go on from there. So we start with this stable relationship. This is our ladder. From there, we have other relationships that we want to act. We just don't do life with one other person. Some of our relationships are like this. They should be. They're heavy. And these we're going to put on the bottom rungs. These are relationships like your close friends, good friends, good family, your family. These are relationships that, that are pretty high on you, if we put that team score up there, right? The trust, accountability, mutual, like these are like a seven or eight, 
or six maybe, right? These are people that we can rely on. These are people who are there for us, right? And these, these become for us a stabilizing force in our lives, right? If I were to climb up this ladder, it's more stable. I can, I can, I can do more. I can feel more secure. I can live. I have a more life-giving chance on this ladder with these relationships in my life. But we don't want to just stop there because the whole point of putting your mask on first, if you're on an airplane, right, they tell you to put your mask on first, then you can turn around and help your neighbor put their mask on. So when we go through these, li when we have these life-giving relationships, we have a solid base, we have other solid relationships in our lives, now we can start to reach out to the other people in our lives and, and not forego these relationships as well. Maybe there's someone in your life who's just fun, right? This is a person that's you're not necessarily deep with yet, but they're a person you can have fun with. So maybe they're up here on the top run. The top run is a little less stable, right? A little, little more ability to fall off of that. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a relationship that God's put in your life right now where, the, where, where they don't have much to offer you, but, but they really need you right now. Maybe, maybe they're fragile. But if you have a strong base in your life and good relationships, you're able to then reach, oh, I lost the fun guy. <laughs> he's always taking, he's unreliable. He's always taking off. <laughs> you're able to reach out in these relationships, right? Because of that, that stable base that you've created. We were created to be related to other people. That's, that, that's how we're built. It's life-giving relationships that we can have when, when they're built the right way. I want to go back to the Old Testament. Uh, Solomon, very smart guy, he actually prayed for wisdom, and God gave him life-changing wisdom. And he, he talked about relationships, and he, he talked about how to do life and do life with other people. And he summed it up this way in Ecclesiastes. So I'm going to read from you chapter 4, starting at verse 9. He said this, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down... One can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Solomon knew what God shared with him and what he shares with us, that life is best done in community. Life is done best when we're a cord of three strands intertwined with one another. When we have a solid base relationship or relationships that are solid and stable. And then we have other relationships in our lives, friends and family who are authentic with us that can help us grow. And we have other relationships in our lives that we can then reach out to and be a part of. But it all starts with us allowing ourselves those healthy life-giving relationships as a base to build from. And the one last thing I wanted to point out in a kind of our our visual example here of, of life lived stably. Where's God in this? Just vis visibly, like, here's a ladder, this is, this is our people, these people. Where's God in this? Nope. The base. Base. This is the base. Have you ever tried to put a ladder on sand or gravel? I actually was doing cleaning second floor windows one time, and I had a ladder up against the building, and it was on, like, this, this mulch on the ground, and that kind of on a hill on mulch, bad idea. One of the scariest things in my life is I'm reaching out, cleaning this window, a ladder, went, it went about a foot down. And I just like, 
right? I never want to do that again. I don't want to live my life with my base, my relationships on unsolid ground that's shaky and can shift. God becomes for us that solid foundation that we can build all of our relationships on. Jesus, he knew a little something about relationships. Jesus said it this way. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Friends, it starts with having a solid base built on the word of God, built on relationship with him. I refer back to week one, life-giving connection with God. Then when something goes, goes wrong in one of our relationships, we, we can deal with it because our base is solid. Even, even our core relationships, if there's rockiness or if there's strife in there, we can go back to the base, the solid ground that, that we built on a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I just want us to, to think about that as we go forward this week. And, and, if, you, and if, you, if there's any part of this where you're like, man, I want that, that I don't have that, maybe the relationship I have right now, my core relationship isn't stable. Maybe I don't have any core relationships at all and I want one. Maybe, maybe relationships with my friends or family aren't quite what they be. I would ask yourself, is it you? Is there something that you can reach out and do? Is it something that you need to allow them to speak into your life and be an active part of? In any, in any rate, I, I invite us all to think through what would life-giving relationships look like. As we sing these last couple songs and we worship, let's go back to God, the author and creator of relationships, and let's start by praising and thanking him for the relationship he started with us, our authentic loving, trustworthy, beneficial, engaging God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.